How's everybody doing tonight? Y'all doing well? well welcome to uh, marriage uh, tonight, marriage class. And just thinking like here in the next like 10 days or so, we'd like we'd be celebrating 15 years. So it's like awesome. So, let's see. So who, let's see what couple has been married the longest in the room. 40 years. Many other 44. Four, 40 many? years. How, how many years have y'all been married? 44. Okay. And together for how long? 44. Three years. Three years. Uh, 40, okay, 40 <gasps> Whoa. Okay. Anybody else? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> I was like, Tom and Teresa, like how long October. have y'all been together? <laughs> They're not quite a year yet. So. How long? 38, 38 years. Not too many, he said. <laughs> so who's been married the shortest amount of time? Well, hang on. I would say, gonna say something. Marcos and Chelsea, yeah. but uh, I guess They're these two here. here. No, actually, no, you got married in, you got married in November. November. When so did you? Yeah, so they got married Aww. in October. I like the mustache. That's, there you go. Marriage. We love marriage. Yeah. Marriage is amazing. Yes. And it For can some also of you, might, be you just, not. You, you just say it. You just say it. Because, you know, God said, call those things that be not as though they are. So it's just. Marriage is amazing. Praise the Lord. Marriage is my favorite. It's my favorite. Marriage is my favorite. So, uh, shall we pray? Yes, we should. We should pray. We should pray. Uh, Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, I just thank you for a time for us just to connect tonight. Holy Spirit, um, you are the one that brought us together. You were there when we declared our vows one to another, that right. you, you bring us in union into this amazing miracle of yeah. what marriage is, which is oneness. Thank you, Lord. And uh, I thank you that we're constantly growing in to that total, complete image yes, in Jesus. every way. Hallelujah. And um, I just thank you that you be glorified tonight. I thank you that uh, we would just be able to relax and just yeah. be able to go to your word for answers and uh, leave here with some just tools on on how to uh, win and, and how to overcome Thank you, and, Lord. and how to have a, a thriving and successful um, marriage. And we're so grateful for your goodness. In Jesus' you, name, Lord. amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Have you enjoyed our times when we've gathered and done this for the year? Only, only us? Okay, thank you. Um, I want to start with Second um, Timothy chapter 3. And I want to read the scripture, and then we'll get into what we're going to share. And this is kind of like a focal point for understanding just the importance of scripture. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All scripture, all scripture, even the ones we might not like, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now tonight, as we share some things, um, even as I was going through some of these things, and Annette and I were talking back and forth, you know, it, you know, you may fall in different categories of these things. You know, profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, That's right. profitable for instruction in righteousness. Amen. So the things that we're sharing are going to be maybe some instructions. Maybe for some it's correction or it's reproof. But then it says the purpose is that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, what is that? I mean, for me, just thinking about that scripture, um, you know, what is like a a marriage? Instead of saying a man of God, how about a marriage mm-hmm. that is complete and thoroughly equi- thoroughly equipped for every good work? You know, we lots of we we focus that on an individual basis, right? But understanding that this, the scripture is ultimately about us being thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you like the sound of that as it pertains to your marriage? Absolutely. Yeah. We can have some participation. So, yeah. so, so tonight, you know, if um, we maybe go dis, um, discuss some things and we may open up for some questions or we may do questions at the end. We're just going to flow out of our hearts tonight. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's going to be good. So is there something you'd like to read, Payne? Well, like you said, you were reading equipped for every good work. I mean, you can think, well, what does, what work does my marriage have to do? 
But people are watching. Number one, your children are watching your marriage. I mean, that's how we get an idea of what marriage is supposed to be like. And that's where we're supposed to learn what marriage is supposed to be like is watching your parents, correct? Not watching Everybody Loves Raymond on television because that wasn't a good example. Or um, Married with Children. I hated that show. I hated that show. Or Married with Children. That was also a terrible show. I mean, you can think... Because long gone are the days of Leave it to Beaver. You know, you know where they respected one another. Now on television, it's it's they disrespect one another, right? It's like who can outdo each other and being ugly to one another. So, being equipped, the word is what's going to equip us to for that good work of being a, an example of a good marriage to others, um, and not just your children, but your friends. They're your children's friends when they come over. Do you know that? Do you know that you're also an example, especially to them? Because most of the time, your children have friends who may not have parents that have a good marriage. So they're watching y'all. Yeah. So. yeah, so just as approaching the scripture, the whole point is for us to be thoroughly equipped. That's good. And, um, and so we want to start, and we're going to go through uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And this is something that we've pretty much gone through every time that, that I teach on marriage or we've talked on marriages, you know, it's just the foundation of, of what marriage is all about. And, and, um, we'll start in verse 22. Well, before we go there, I wanted to share, um, I was telling pastor that probably about a month ago, um, and I was telling somebody else, I know I was talking to somebody else about this, but the Lord led me to Ephesians 4. 27 and I like verse 26, but he, he led me to 27. It says, leave no such room or foothold for, for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. That means don't give him any place. Don't give him any power or authority. Right. And I, I meditated on that probably for about a month and a half and just thinking, okay, God, who am I supposed to be praying this for? God's going, uh, you. Okay. So, but how do we make room or allow the enemy give him a foothold is when we're disobedient to God's word. And if you read before that in Ephesians four, um, starting with verse 22, it says to strip yourselves of your former nature or the way you think, right? Put off or discard your old self, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life. How many of y'all know you had a previous manner of life before you got married? (laughs) Um, Verse 23 says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And we can't do that without the word of God. It says, and put on the new nature created in God's image. Amen. We're to be God-like. That's so good. And it says, therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done now with it, let everyone express the truth. Well, we know the truth is the word of God. For we are all parts of one body and members one of another. In verse 26, when angry, do not sin. How many of y'all know anger is not a sin? To get angry is not a sin. It says, but don't sin when you're angry. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or your indignation last until the sun goes down. That's when you give the enemy a foothold. When your anger lasts more than a day. Okay? That's when you've allowed the enemy to have a foothold. That's when he can talk to you. It's it's okay to get angry. How many of y'all know... You're, you're going to fight husbands and wives are going to get angry with one another all the time, all day long. Sometimes how about just, we'll use aggravated, aggravated. (laughs) but we're called to, to handle that. Frustrated. We, we are equipped to take care of that. We're to communicate and the devil, you've not given the devil a foothold until it becomes yesterday's anger or last month's anger. That's called, I'm holding a grudge now and I've opened the door for the enemy. I'm laying down next to you and I'm as far away as I can from you. I'm on the edge of the mattress on that little end. (laughs) That's when you've given the enemy a foothold. That's when the devil 
can start talking to you about your anger and go, oh, yeah, she was horrible. I can't believe she did that to you. Can you believe she did that to you? I'm going to tell you what. You can never convince God to be mad at your spouse. Justified. It's just not going to happen. The Holy Spirit is so in love with your spouse that you can't talk the Holy Spirit into going, yeah, you're right. He is horrible. He never picks up his socks. Yeah, he is the worst. That is not. I pick up my socks. No, you don't. That's not. That's not God. But does that make sense? So the only time we give the enemy a foothold is with yesterday's anger, yeah. or last week's anger, or last year's anger. Okay. So. Because you know, with that, you'll have you'll have conversations with yourself in your car. You'll have conversations with your with yourself about something that just transpired, and if it gets into that next day. Then you're having this conversation, and and those are some of the things that we're gonna we're gonna deal with because the world has definitions of marriage. Right. World has the def- definitions of what marriage should look like. You know, the world has uh, a definition on the standpoint that marriage is about finding the right person. When in reality, really, marriage is about becoming the right person. Becoming the right person. So, That's what God so, says. So, Amen. You, as believers, we have to Good. understand. Like I said, we have a new man. We have a yeah. new nature, and so we don't do things the way the rest of the world does. We live out of a new nature. Amen. And also, and I'm not, ju- and I'm judging my wife based on her new nature, not who she used to be. Right. You know, the world will have an idea that marriage is about happiness, but God's definition is it's about holiness, That's it. which is oneness. So, so there's a lot of reasons on why people get married or why they're together. And it's like, well, this person's going to make me happy. Well, ultimately, this person should, should be born out making you holy. That's it. So, so my relationship with Annette is not necessarily about how much she makes me happy. And she does make me happy. But the, what's more important is how, how much we become more holy in our marriage relationship. And that's where you start seeing the fruit and you start seeing greater growth. Yeah. Ephesians 5, 1, being imitators of God. Yeah. Being imitators of God as dear children. Yeah. Um, so culture will also say marriage is about getting your own needs met. But God says it's about sacrificing our own needs for the sake of your spouses. So it goes back to totally different. We're living out of this new nature. Amen. That's so good. in Ephesians um, in Ephesians 5... It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 22. Yeah, verse 22. Um, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You can read 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. Amen. Even so husbands should love their wives as being in a sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. That's good. Because we are members, parts of his body. Of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know, this scripture is, is amazing because it's a key to God's perfect plan for marriage. It's a pattern. Um, that can produce several things in our lives. One of the things we wrote down is Ephesians chapter 5. It gives us key to a long-term, long, lifelong attraction. It's as we, are, we, as we are focusing on our spouse and not focusing on ourselves, it causes the attraction that we have for each other to grow. But if you're not putting this in this proper position or the right purpose, then you're going to look at all the flaws because the word says here that, that you love her as husbands, we love, you love her. It says, it says love her without spot and without blemish. So it's like as you focus on serving your spouse in either direction, then the point is, is you start seeing them and the attraction grows. I, I'm more attracted to Annette now than I was 16 years ago. 
So, but the thing is, is because we've grown together and we still have room to grow. Don't we all? Yeah. I think men initially, and he, he talks about this in the book, don't want to give in to that, <laughs> um, loving her like Christ loved the church. Cause it's like, I'm going to end up having a mop and sweep. I'm going to end up being doing the dishes. I'm just, you know, she's going to take advantage of that. If I just tend to her every need, I'm going to end up just under her foot and mopping and sweeping and vacuuming and cleaning and doing all that. And the same thing for the women. They won't give in and submit to the husband because they're thinking, oh, he's just going to be dominary and he's going to, you know, not love me and tell me what to do and I'm going to be a mat. So the reason we don't do it is because of fear. Fear is the, it's it. That's it. It's fear. But you know, when the Bible talks about when we've made Jesus Lord of our lives, we submit to him, don't we? We submit to the character of Jesus. We submit because we know the character of Jesus, right? We know his character. We know that he loves us and he will never ask us to do anything that will hurt us. But that's the kind of trust that we have to have one with another. Yeah. Amen. And, and by the scripture talking about submitting one to one another in the fear of the Lord is it's not me giving up my rights as a believer, but I'm submitting to God and trusting him to take care of this. It's faith. This is a life of faith. Amen. And, and so it's this, this constant walk because we have to respond to our spouses based on the principles that God set in his word, regardless of how our spouse treats us. Right. Why? Because we have a new nature. Right. We're not living according to an old nature. And we have the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts yes. by the Holy Spirit. And it's really interesting that, that we, the English language is probably the worst language <laughs> as far as describing words. Whereas there are, I think, like five to seven different words for love in the Greek. And every one of them means something. Like I can say, you know, I love pizza and I love my husband. And it's not the same thing, right? Yeah. But when we love agape love, which is God kind of love, it's a selfless love. It's, it doesn't have, feelings don't have anything to do with it. Who was it that sang the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? Love yeah, she died, right? <laughs> yeah. But okay, she wasn't talking about the agape love. And really what she should have been saying is, what, feel, what do feelings have to do with it? Because God loves us unconditionally. He is committed to us. That's what, it, it is a willful thing to love us. He will never not love us. That's the kind of love we need to have one for another and for our husbands, for our spouse. It's not, you know, people will get divorced because they say, well, we fell out of love. I just don't feel like we love each other. And well, what does feelings have to do with it? We made a covenant. We made a promise one to another to love each other like God loves us. Yeah. You know, unconditionally with nothing, expecting nothing in return. Yeah. The God kind of love. Yeah. Being patient and long suffering. <laughs> now, I'm not saying... You're to be abused, but here's the neat thing that starts to happen whenever we start walking out what God's word says. When he starts loving me like Christ loved the church, it softens the wife. It really does where she's able to submit. And vice versa. And vice versa. When when we as women submit and respect and honor our husbands and and, um, then he'll love us the way Christ loves the church. But the more you hold a wall up against against the spouse, it, it never then then both people have walls up and nothing changes. Nothing changes. And and so what we have to what we have to be totally convinced of concerning marriage and what we're dealing with tonight is that when we do the word, miracles happen. Miracles always happen. When we do the word, so when we do we we make a decision to do what we're going to talk about tonight miracles happen. And so that's what being a doer of Ephesians 5 does. It causes supernatural 
supernatural God's ability to come and be a part of your union. And you've shut the door for the enemy. Yeah. You've shut the door for the enemy to work. I know y'all know this. You know that John was the only disciple that could not be killed because he was the one that loved. If you read first John, I love first John, but the devil can't touch you. If you love, you don't give the enemy a foothold when you love the way God has called you to love and you can't love in your own ability. I, 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 that was an answer to prayer for me. Whenever I met Justin, it was like, I don't know how to love that way. But once I saw the love of God on the inside of him, it was, it was, I'm going to tell you what, the best prayer you could ever pray is Holy Spirit, help me. Can y'all just say that? Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. You you need to be praying that a lot. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Help me to love. Help me to walk out this marriage, navigate this relationship according to your word. And I can't do it on my own. You can't. I can't love him the way he needs to be loved, but God knows how he needs to be loved. So I have to submit to God first in order to submit here. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, so knowing that Ephesians 5, there's just three things that we can pull out of this. The first one is, it's a key to lifelong attraction. It's a key to releasing your spouse's potential. That's good. So, so for me, is I need, you know, I, I think we said it uh, last time. We said, I need her to win. I need, I need you to win. Yeah, because if you lose, I lose. Right. So I need my, my spouse to, to win. It's not a competition. We're in this together. Right. Yeah. So, so it's releasing your spouse's potential. And then also, Ephesians chapter 5, also, it disables sin nature. That's good. It disables sin nature because you're not, it's now it's, you're not trying to do this in yourself, but you're doing it by being submitted to God. That's good. And I can't be submitted to God and doing my own will at the same time. So it disables the sin nature because the sin nature is going to be the thing that's going to be selfish. The sin nature is going to be the very thing that's going to say, well, I'm going to show her. I mean, the sin nature is going to be, I'm going to prove this or, you know, you know, I told you so, you know, that's, that's, that's sin nature. Adam and Eve. It's, it, yeah. That's exactly what happened with Eve. She didn't ask him. He was right there and he didn't stop her. And he was right there. Yeah. I, I was listening to, um, one of his messages and he said, Eve was the very first feminist and Adam was the very first chauvinist. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, I can make this decision on my own. I could decide if I want to eat this or not. Did she not know Adam was right there? She didn't consult with him. And they were going to talk with God later. Because like it says in the Bible, it says in Genesis, they walked with God in the garden every day. Did she consult God? No. Did she consult her husband? No. Did she make up her own mind and say, I am woman, hear me roar. And now we're all paying for it. Thank you very much, Eve. Yeah. But... It's because we make a decision without submitting to either God or our husbands or, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, he says, what did he, What was his answer to God whenever God said? It was that woman you gave me. That's it. It was that woman you gave me. It wasn't me. It was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Eve, the sin nature <laughs> for a woman is, is comes down to with Eve was... Was independence, prideful Independent. independence, prideful independence, and, and for a man, it's passivity. You know, yeah. not not taking your place in authority, um, or people take it to extreme. It's like, yes, I'm taking authority, but it's not about domination either. It's about it's about each one reaching their full potential. Right. So, what are what are some things? And there's we're going to deal with one for uh, a woman, and we're going to deal with one for a man, and. Now, when we share these, it's not like this is exact. This is the only thing that man needs, and this is the only thing that the wife needs. Okay. Um, and because ultimately, we need both of them. As a husband and a wife, we need both of these. But ultimately, for a uh, a husband, and let's let we'll, we'll deal with how. Uh, let's ha- how a wife should. How does a wife 
cause the husband to reach his full potential. So we'll deal with, we'll deal with that first. So this is, this part will be for all the ladies. So how does a wife help her husband reach his full potential? What do y'all think the answer is? How can you make your husband or help your husband reach his full potential? It's not, se- it's not sex, okay? And it's not sex. <laughs> Anybody? Yes, keep praying for him, mm-hmm. right? Anything else? Do what? Inspire. Inspire him. That, that's, that's good. That's a good one. She knows. Yeah, be his biggest cheerleader. So, so for right now, guys love cheerleaders. <laughs> Even if, I mean, it's the truth. If you are the worst football player, your cheerleader is on the sideline. She's going, whatever she's saying, go get them. We can do it. You can do it. <laughs> hold that line, hold that line or whatever they say. You've never heard a cheerleader. I wasn't a cheerleader, obviously, but you've never heard a cheerleader go, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're losers. You're a loser. We should be out there. We could throw the ball you, better you, than you. You are horrible. Yeah. My grandmother can throw a pass. Go back to the locker room. You know, it's like, but you know. guys don't think, I mean, even though they're like, I mean, we had the worst football team, but we had the best cheerleaders. And so the guys always thought they were great, but they never won one game. But you know what I'm saying? Guys like cheerleaders. They need that. They need somebody behind them telling them, you're doing great, honey. We'll, we, we can get this re-pa- wallpapered. We can, we can put in another door. It'll be fine. <laughs> you're doing great. But babe, but and it doesn't mean that you need to go out and get a cheerleading outfit and some pom poms. That's no, not the although you that's like not the that, point. But, but but the thing is, for 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 a wife, you need to be your husband's cheerleader, right? You know, because you know, taking it back to the natural sports, if yeah. you're in an arena and you're and the, your team is down, but yet there's a momentum shift, and all, all of a sudden everyone's everyone is cheering. All of a sudden, it's like it, 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 it causes the losing team to raise up and say, you know what? Hey, we got this. We, we can yeah. do this. And, and, and so, so the thing is, is, is negativity. Yeah. You know, and put it this way. Yeah. I'll say, you know, what's the opposite good. of praise? Is complaining. Right. You know, nagging your husband isn't going to get, get, get him to a place of breakthrough. It's not. It's not. Nagging and complaining is not going to cause your husband to go to another level. Right. Yeah, that's it. Can I share something? Yeah. We did a a Bible study a couple of times, and it was Lisa Bevere's um, Bible study on Lioness Awakening or Lioness Arising. Arising. And um, she talked about how the female lions are the hunters. And when they go hunt and they make a kill, they bring back the kill to the male. They, they don't eat first. Even though they did the hunting, they bring back the food to give to the male. Now, they treat all the males the same because they know that he will one day be king. They don't treat him the way he's acting now. <laughs> But they treat him the way they know who he will be. That's good. And he will be. Because they're raising their next king, basically. Their son, their nephew, their, their mate. So they treat them the way they know that the potential that's on the inside of them. And that's, that's what we're doing. We're not seeing them or reacting to how they act. We're responding through the Holy Ghost according to the word. I'm going to treat him and love him the way I know that God sees him. Not the way he's acting right now, but I will honor him and respect him. And I'll do all these things. And that's when a miracle happens. In my life first, because I'm submitting and I'm allowing the Holy Ghost to work in me. Amen. But also it starts to work in him because then he begins to live up to my expectation, which is king. Do you see what I'm saying? If I just say, oh, you're no good. You're nothing. You don't do anything. You're so lazy. Then what is, what is he going to become? No good. Nothing. It's like fine. Lazy. Fine. You know, and, 
And, yeah. and so that's what we have to understand is men, we respond to praise. They do. We yeah. do. We, we, we need somebody to pump up our heads, all right? It's, it's, not, it's not about stroking the ego. No. The thing is, is, yeah. is you, you need to, to reach full potential. It's not going to happen by belittling, yeah. belittling your spouse. But it, this also works both ways. Yeah. It's not to say that women don't need praise. But because we need to be each other's biggest encourager, because this is yeah. this fan. is about this I'm your is, biggest fan. Yeah, this is our, this is about reaching full potential. Um, I, I, was, I went to the scripture in Psalms eight two, and this gives us a principle of what praise does. So remember, I, I talked about what I mentioned we were talking back and forth, and how you're going to have conversations with yourself about your spouse, yeah. and uh, on what she just said, or what he just said, or what she did with. He did and, and so forth. And, and so I can't believe she said that. I can't believe I did, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And all she does is pick off that one thing that I did wrong. And, and, and you know, and so, so the thing is, is you're constantly playing that in your head. Now, what does praise do? Psalms 8, 2 says, you have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. This is the passion translation. So you built a stronghold by the songs of babies. That's what we need to set up a stronghold. What did that read in Ephesians chapter four? Let that the enemy have no strong foothold. But our praise has the ability to build up a stronghold. Yeah. It says strength rises up with the course of singing children. This kind of praise has the power, listen, to shut Satan's mouth. That's it. Yeah. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Yeah. So when you are praising your spouse, what is it? What it does is it's shutting the mouth of the enemy. Amen. It's silencing the enemy. Right. Like I said, we said before, complaining isn't going to bring the breakthrough. Right. Praise is going to bring the breakthrough. Yeah. So wives, as you bring praise, encouragement, what you're doing is you, you are, you are allow you are shutting the mouth of the enemy and silence the enemy in, in his conscience, in his life. That's it. Because the enemy is going to come with words of discouragement. The enemy is going to come. And how, where, where's, where's the battle won? The battle is going to be won up here. First. So if the enemy's working up here in my mind as a husband and the enemy's working up here in, in her mind as, as, as a wife and, and, you know, getting even or whatever, whatever the enemy tries to do. But when you choose to praise him, then what happens is, is the enemy is silenced in his mind. That's it. You shut the enemy's mouth. And then also if you go to, uh, if we go to, if we went to Second Chronicles chapter 20, we talk about how praise, how the battle is the Lord's. Yeah. And it was when they praise that it set ambushments against the enemy because bottom line is the enemy does not want your marriage to be strong. That's true. The enemy doesn't want your marriage to prosper. The enemy doesn't want your, your marriage to be everything it, it is meant to be. He doesn't want you to be in a place of oneness in unity. Yeah. So therefore, it, it, therefore, it, it, as you praise the wife, praise the husband, what happens is, is it causes him to, to be able to step into a place of confidence. That's it. it allows him to step into a place of strength. It allows him to step into a place because, because if you don't feel confident as a leader, you're not going to lead with confidence. Right. And because, that's why yeah. you, they'll relinquish that over to the women. So many men will. Yeah. Yeah. So praise actually causes what you're actually wanting to happen. Yeah. Say what you want to see. Men will thrive in an, in an atmosphere of praise and admiration. We have to be our, like I said, the, our biggest fans. Amen. Praising our spouses. That's good. Anything else? You like That's very good. So, so what do women need? Affirmation. Affirmation. To help, to help bring a Praise. wife to her full, full potential. Support. Support. What else do women need to reach their full potential? Security. Yeah, for sure. They, know, they need to know they can count on you. Yeah. Women need to be, yeah, 
nurtured, yeah. needs met, loved. That when your needs are met, then that builds security. That's every person, though. If they can count on you, that just builds security. You say you're going to come home at that time, you come home at that time. When they call you, you answer the phone. When they text you, you text back. It builds security. I know you're there. You'll always be there. Women need that, don't they? Yeah. So I wrote down, women thrive in an atmosphere of love, security, Mm -hmm. and nurture. Yeah, that's it. Now, men, as women, we we just consider them as our cheerleaders. Now, I want you to see yourself as a gardener. Mm. A gardener. That's good. A Song of Solomon... um, Chapter 4, verse 12, and then one translation says this. It says, my bride is like a private garden. Isn't that kind of cool? My bride is like a private garden. It's no one else's garden. You know, it's, 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 it's my garden. So what are you doing, men, with your garden? What are you doing with the fruitfulness of that garden? As a, a, someone that's a gardener, someone that gardens, they'll know what each plant needs. And he'll make it his job and, his con- and, his, and with his intention with constantly watching and learning what the garden needs. And the garden can change from moment to moment. We know this. <laughs> I don't need to be pruned today. <laughs> I was pruned yesterday. <laughs> sure what that was all about. I don't know. But I do. I, I love my flowers. And you can go and look. And some there are some that you do have to cut back. Some you don't cut back. You, But a good gardener knows exactly every plant in his garden, don't they? They know which one needs to be watered. How many times it needs to be watered. They know how to check it. They know, you know, how to fertilize it. How to feed it. How to bring shade on it. Which one needs the most shade. A good gardener is not going to put a delicate flower out in the sun and leave it there till it fries, you know. So attentive. So Nobody said that. Attentive. Women need to be attended to. Yes. It's a good one. Um, the scripture that I want to use for this is uh, Proverbs 24, verse 30. And it says, I went by the field of a lazy man. So we could, we could call it a, a garden. Yeah. I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. Uh, have you been that man? <laughs> devoid of understanding. And there it was. And there it was. There it was. All overgrown with thorns. It's surface. I'm not calling your wife a, someone with thorns. I'm just saying this is just a garden, okay? And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Wow. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and I received instruction. And what was the instruction? It was a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Show, so shall your poverty come yeah. like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Wow. wow. So that, that was the instruction. When he went by the field, a garden mm-hmm. of a lazy man, the instruction was a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest. So does your poverty will come like an armed man. So if what we're seeing is someone that was lazy... And not taking his position as the farmer. Yeah. Not taking his position as the gardener. And because of that, it was all overgrown. You know, someone that is a, a gardener, there's different things that need to be tended to. Right. You know, like we've already communicated, it's you're checking the health of the plants. You're getting any disease out. You're um, watering it properly. You're treating your soil. You're pruning your plants. You're removing the weeds. 
You're protecting it from unwanted animals or insects. And this was the one that I wrote down was you eliminate overcrowding. You know, we have, we have a flower bed at the house and, you know, and when we first planted this one tree in the front, it was, it was, it was a decent size. It was good. And we had a hydrangea and we had daisies and we had other plants there, azalea bushes and things like that. And all of a sudden now, and the grass would be always green right there. Well, this, this tree, evergreen tree in the front yard, which it would have been great if it stayed this tall, but now it's like 15 feet tall and it's pushing out and it's, and now this year, like the hydrangeas aren't blooming flowers. Why? Because it's being overcrowded. And now and where that, where that tree is, there's no grass growing because the tree is overhanging it and it's keeping it from, from flourishing. And so this was probably more of all that we could talk about watering. We could talk about those things, but what the Holy Spirit really wanted me to bring out as it pertained to us gardening is overcrowding, yeah. not giving enough room for our spouse. Giving our spouse the time they need. Wow, that's good. Overcrowding. And it's easy with kids, grandkids, busyness. A gardener is going to have to watch overcrowding. Because a garden, if it's not tended to, can turn into a wilderness. And men, we don't want wildernesses. We don't want it all overgrown and we want, we want it flourishing and we want it thriving. And therefore, we have to take the necessary time to talk, to communicate. I know for Annette, some of the, on how can I water her garden would be communication. Communication. How to, mm. to, to, to have a conversation yeah. To talk about the Bible, to talk about what's going on, what's happening. It's taking that time and, and watering it. Because it's in it's because it's in the communication, it's in that talking and it's in that time. You're you are getting the overcrowded stuff out. It's in that you're getting the weeds out. You're getting the things that are choking the seeds, things that are choking things that are to be fruitful and productive. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to, we have to make this time as quality time. And, and it's probably not always going to happen in front of the TV. What, binging on Netflix, it's probably not going to happen. Social media. Social media. Scrolling. That's, that's probably not pulling a whole lot of weeds out. And also for women, that's probably not giving a whole lot of praise either. So, so it's like for, so women, wives, it's being cheerleaders for men. It's us being gardeners and tending to our wife. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Believe it or not, our husbands are not mind readers. Really? They're just not. We have to be, we have to be better communicators. Fine is not an answer. And men, you have to try again if you get a fine. If How are you doing? Fine. Okay. Don't just leave it there. Go back. <laughs> but she said she was fine. She, I asked. I asked. What else do you want me to do? Go back and ask again. Yeah. Look at your garden. Just watch for it. Is it being fruitful? Is she fruitful? Is she living up to the potential... You can tell. Come on, guys, you all know when there's something not okay. And I know some men are kind of like, I'd rather just stay out of the way. <laughs> I'm just going to stay out of the way. But, you know, you're equipped. You're both equipped to help each other through it, you know. Yeah. By the help of the Holy Spirit, we have the helper to help us out. So don't be afraid, guys. Same thing for women. Don't be afraid to be honest. This is You're in this together. I need him to win. He needs me to win. If one of us loses, we both lose. You know? 
we got to work this through. We're called to. You know, the world will say that, you know, divorce is always an option. Or you can have extramarital affairs to make you happy as long as you never divorce this person. And some people live that way. And that's not okay. This has to thrive. This has to flourish. We're called our purpose, our purpose, your purpose. The reason why God brought you together was to be an example of him and his light, his glory, his goodness. Not for everybody to look at us and go, oh, you're just like every other couple. Y'all sit together and don't talk. You know, you go to dinner and you don't speak to each other. You're always on your phones. No, it has to look different. It has to look different. It has to sound different. We don't talk to each other like everybody else talks to each other. You know, we're mindful, we're purposeful about this covenant, this, what God brought together. Amen. And I think, like like Annette said, just men, you know, we're not mind readers. So asking the questions, what does tending to you look like? Because what might be for Vicky could be different for Rochelle. Right. You know, it could be different for Jennifer, different for Annette. So it's not this one size fits all thing, but it's, yeah. it's saying, what do you need? And, and I can be honest, look, because of Annette's encouragement in my life, I've been able to do a lot more than I could do by myself. I mean, she has been an Same. amazing cheerleader in my life. And, and, I, and I'm grateful for the gift that she is. You know, so it, it's, it, it's, and then what happens is then it causes me to, to live and respond in a, in a different way. Because it's not, it's like I'm, she's not on edge and I'm not on edge and it's, this competition back and forth. No, it's like, I want the best in her. She wants the best for me. Right. And, and just continuing to do that. Amen. Um, he mentioned something that was really interesting and I know y'all know this, but the Holy spirit is, I mean, he's a personality changer. I mean, I know y'all know that before you were filled with the Holy spirit, we were different people. Isn't that the truth? When we, and, we, and, and the Bible says to keep being filled. Keep being filled. That's the best thing you can do for your spouse is stay in the Holy Spirit. Stay prayed up. Stay in the Word of God. Stay submitted to God so that you can hear from Him. I, I shared that last time we were together um, when the Lord taught me about what that word submission means. And the, first, the one thing He said to me is, you can't hear from me unless you're submitted. Yeah. You have to be submitted. Yeah, it says submit to God, resist the devil, and then he flees. But first I have to be submitted. Yeah, because the devil will laugh in your face like, no, you're doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. You've already given me a foothold, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So so let's, let's be praisers of our spouses and let's be gardeners of our spouses. And as we do that, we're doing the word, and when we do the word, miracles happen. Amen. I agree. We're changed from one degree of glory to another. And so at this time, you know, um, I want you to go ahead and stand up. And we want you to break off with another couple. And we want you to pray for each other. Um, so one couple pray for another couple. The word that came to me this morning or may, may have been yesterday morning is the scripture that says, um, when you pray for somebody else to be healed, you become healed. You're healed. Yeah. And so I, I want y'all to commit as y'all pray for one another that you'll also commit to pray for one another for the rest of the year. Pray for your marriages. Sow that seed of prayer for another couple. Amen. Yeah. And it may not be a couple that's here. It could be a couple that you work with. It could mm-hmm. be someone else. But, but for tonight, you're praying for each other. tonight, you're praying for each other. So go ahead and, and break up in, in couples and um, make sure everyone's, no one's alone. Dustin and Carrie, are you going to stay there? Are you, yeah. you, you can come. We'll, we'll come to you if you want. We'll come to you. We'll come to you.
Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you for the all the church family, Lord, and all the marriages of heritage. Thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against their marriages shall prosper in any way. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your love and your mercy and your compassion is returning to every marriage. Thank you for holiness within every marriage. Thank you for intimacy returning. Thank you for forgiveness manifesting. Thank you, Father, for causing every marriage to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your identity, Father, taking up residence in, in all the marriages of heritage. Thank you that the marriage the marriages of heritage are strong. Hallelujah. The marriages of heritage are thriving, are increasing. Thank you, Father, that they are an example of your goodness and they're an example of your faithfulness. They're an example of your power and your dominion and your might. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your hand upon every marriage relationship and heritage, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We agree. Thank you, Father. Yes. Uproot. Uproot any and all bitterness. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Declare the enemy is under every under our feet as pertains to the marriages of heritage. Thank you, Father. Every marriage thriving. Every marriage. No marriage casualties. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. Glorify you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Praise you, Father. Mm. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Just have one more thing. So, next to your spouse, you take them by the hand and look them in the eye. And for the and for the. Some of you may have not done this since the day you got married, but it's okay. It's okay to look them in the eye. And for the wives, you say to your husband, I'm going, to be learn, I'm going to learn to be the most amazing cheerleader. I'm going to learn to be the most amazing cheerleader. I'm going to learn, I'm going to, learn to get my praise on. To get my praise on. In, in Jesus' name. Be your biggest fan. Now, Now, for the men, just say... I love you, and I'm going to get my green thumb on, in Jesus' name. (laughs) Give them a hug, give them a kiss. (laughs) Uh, So, did y'all receive something? Y'all get something tonight? Oh, we enjoy spending time with you all. Now... Um, I don't know when, when the next one of this is or if there's even one on the schedule, but come the fall, we will be um, offering like a Marriage on the Rock class. We've offered it through Jimmy Everton's class. We'll be offering that at some point. And um, when we do offer it, um, we may send out something that what might work better for you, Sunday mo- like doing it Sunday morning before service, like a Sunday school class. Um, or doing it during Wednesday night service. That way, because someone might not might be able to do it then, but some might be able to, we might be able to offer it both times. And, and so we may send out a survey of some sort of those um, to the marriages to see what might work for them, to see on how we offer it, whether, like I said, it's at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning to like 9.45 or on a Wednesday night during Wednesday night service in our back modular. So Yeah, um, I mean, this is something that, even your neighbors or your friends, your coworkers, they could really, really learn from. You know, it's just amazing how we, this isn't something you'd learn if you didn't have a good marriage example growing up. You don't know, and you don't know how to apply the word to your marriage. You know, it's just based on what we see on television and, and, you know, what the world says. And we know that that doesn't work. In our lives as Christians, the word is final authority. And we know it works. We know it works. So I I think it would be great for our our community especially. Yeah. So, uh, see, other than that, uh, I know tomorrow night is the Bicentennial Park and the fireworks. Fireworks. And then Sunday morning I'll, I'll be ministering. Um, about the Holy Spirit, and then we have worship night uh, on Sunday night. So other than that, we love you all. It's only 8 o'clock. It was only an hour. You have time for a date. So you can all go somewhere if you have a babysitter. And and so, uh, so anyway, love you all. God bless, and go give them Jesus.